Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. And we welcome you in to Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can follow me and all of my gambling picks on Twitter at UndercoverGreg. Had a pretty good week last week, so hope those that followed were along for the ride. And if you're new, then welcome aboard. And we hope that you'll be a regular listener to the podcast. Give the podcast a follow as well at full underscore slate underscore pod. Our producer, Alex, always makes for some creative content with gambling Twitter and all of our fellow degenerates. This is open to everyone, whether you fade or follow, whether you like the teams I like or like the teams I hate. Uh, We're just here to have some fun and talk sports gambling. So uh, without further ado, let's get into today's episode. I am flying solo today. Little bit of a quickie as uh, we're going to try and get in and get out with the Stanley Cup final as we will preview the Montreal Canadiens and the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, and try and give you just some quick hitting stuff to keep an eye on and uh, hopefully you can listen to this on your lunch hour or sometime in the afternoon in advance of this evening's Game 1 down at Amelie Arena in Tampa Bay between the Lightning and the Habs. Obviously, we have uh, two different storylines here with the Lightning being the defending champions and the Montreal Canadiens really coming out of nowhere and embarking upon this Cinderella run that started with a rally from a 3-1 series deficit in the opening round against their arch rival, the Toronto Maple Leafs, and now has continued all the way on to the Stanley Cup final uh, after they eliminated Winnipeg in a dominant sweep in the second round and then in the Stanley Cup semifinals Montreal taking care of the Vegas Golden Knights in six games the path for the Tampa Bay Lightning a six game elimination of the Florida Panthers in the opening round went through the Carolina Hurricanes in a gentleman sweep in five games in the second round and then their Stanley Cup semifinal Probably the most entertaining series, I think, of the playoffs so far, uh, just in terms of the uh, blow-for-blow nature that the New York Islanders and Tampa Bay Lightning provided us with in that Stanley Cup semifinal. Tampa surviving in seven games on a Yanni Gord shorthanded goal in Game 7 in the second period. That would stand as the lone goal of the game, a 1-0 victory in Game 7 for the Lightning to propel them back 
into the Stanley Cup final. So when we look at the matchup and what we are left with with these two teams, I'll tell you what, the storylines might be different, but Action Network did a real nice breakdown of a lot of the advanced metrics, high danger chances, expected goals, which kind of assigns value to the areas of the ice that all the scoring chances are coming from, five-on-five, play-driving stuff, and a lot of it is pretty even. I mean, I I don't want to run through, you know, all the advanced metrics, but when you look at the way both of these teams have played in the playoffs, it's not exactly to suggest that this is David versus Goliath here, even though maybe to the casual hockey fan it might feel that way. Obviously, knowing that Tampa Bay won the playoff, won the cup, excuse me, last year, and Montreal kind of came out of nowhere this year with the run that it is on. Having said that, though, uh, they were a big underdog. This is no familiar role for, or uh, no unusual role, I should say, for the Habs because they were a big underdog against Toronto um, on the series price a massive underdog in the Stanley Cup semis. They were longer than 4-1 to one on the opening series price at various shops against the Vegas Golden Knights. So I would not assume that this is going to be a cakewalk for Tampa Bay. I mean, like I said, uh, they've lost at least one game in every series, and two of the three that the Lightning have played have gone at least six. So um, when you look at it that way, I would expect there to be uh, a similar kind of tit-for-tat nature in this series. And the big thing that stood out to me that I think speaks to that, uh, just in terms of a a strength versus strength identity in this series, is the special teams. And obviously special teams in playoff hockey can really sway games. I mean somebody takes a dumb penalty and the opponent scores a power play goal, then the team that took the dumb penalty might have had the momentum and and the air gets sucked out of the balloon pretty quickly. So uh, that's kind of the nature of the playoffs. You got to score on the power play. You got to kill penalties. And that's why I started this by mentioning that a lot of the five-on-five stats between these two teams, just in terms of how each one has played in the first three rounds, are pretty even. And that's why you always look to those five-on-five numbers because you just assume that the good teams are going to score on the power play and the good teams are going to kill kill penalties. And so when we look specifically at these two teams with the specialty teams, Tampa in the playoffs is close to 38%, 37.7% on the power play. That's the second-best percentage in the postseason, and they have the most power play goals in the playoffs with 20 Here's some context on that. The other three semifinalists that made it to the uh, you know Stanley Cup semis, meaning they've played as many games as the Lightning. Islanders only scored 10 power play goals. Montreal only 9 power play goals. And the Vegas Golden Knights just 4 power play goals. Again, Tampa has 20. They have just been 
a machine on the power play, which is no surprise, right? We know about the top-end talent that they have in their lineup. Braden Point, probably the Conn Smythe winner if Tampa is to win this series. He seems to get on the score sheet every night. Steven Stamkos, still a threat, even if he's not their best player. Nikita Kucherov uh, has been inserted back into the lineup and say what you want. A lot of stories were made about the cap manipulation element of Kucherov sitting out the entire regular season on the long-term injured reserve, but he has obviously come in and he suffered a little bit of an injury there in Game 6 against the Islanders, did return to Game 7, but nonetheless, a force on the Tampa power play as well, and they got big Victor Hedman on the back end there as well, quarterbacking the power play unit. So we know that Tampa is loaded with top-end talent up front, and they've made teams pay for taking penalties, as you would expect. Conversely, Montreal has been brilliant on the penalty kill. They have killed a record 30 consecutive penalties. Again, that is a Stanley Cup playoff record streak that the Montreal Canadiens are on. For the playoffs, they are at 93.5% success rate on the penalty kill, and they've only allowed a total of three power play goals. So I just mentioned the other three semifinalists and Vegas of the four teams that made it to the semis scored the fewest power play goals at four. Well, Montreal in the entire playoffs has only allowed three. So, again, I think it'll be very interesting to see how that strength versus strength battle plays itself out in terms of Tampa on the power play. And obviously, uh, if, if Montreal can have the same kind of success on the penalty kill that it had the first three rounds, then I think we're going to see a lot of close games and we're going to see a series go down to the wire. And if Tampa is able to continue to put up a power play goal a game, maybe two power play goals here or there as well, then you know life's going to get a lot easier for the defending champs. So that was one thing that really jumped out at me in looking at these two teams. You always look at the special teams in the playoffs because it can just be mo- such a huge momentum shift in games. And that, I think, um, just that battle uh, between these two teams when it comes to Tampa's power play and Montreal's penalty kill, I think will be very interesting. Another thing that I think speaks to how dominant Montreal has been, particularly defensively, um, this tidbit I also... Uh, liked in the Action Network preview that they had with some of their advanced metrics. Uh, Montreal has allowed, since the end of the Toronto series, uh, obviously Toronto got out and and let it get away there with a 3-1 series lead, but against Winnipeg and Vegas, Montreal allowed just seven high-danger chances at even strength um, in in the combination of two series. You know, that's ten games that they played. Uh, four against Winnipeg and six against Vegas. Only seven high-danger chances for the Montreal opponents, um, and the opponents converted just 8% of those chances, which is a figure that is considerably below the league average in terms of uh, goal rate on those high-danger chances. So not only does that speak to how well Montreal has been defending, but it also speaks to how well Carey Price has been playing. And as much as we as gamblers like to try and quantify things, Uh, I think what we've seen with this Montreal run is the fact that you get a hot goalie and all bets are off. And obviously, going back to the Toronto series, Carey Price really slammed the door with a very good Game 7 performance. And 
Toronto actually was the better team in that game six, and Price kept them in it even in the overtime, and Jesperi Kakaniemi got an overtime game winner to send it to a game seven. And then, as I said, they kind of rolled that wave. They never trailed in the Winnipeg series, which was really impressive. And against Vegas, Montreal only allowed 10 goals in six games. You know, so two and a half goals a game allowed against a Vegas team that was second in the NHL in goals in the regular season. So, again, there was just a mystique with... Montreal that has continued, and I don't see why now you would expect Montreal to just lay down, which again is what we're seeing with some of the prices that are offered when it comes to series price, exact outcome. I mean, Tampa's a $3 favorite on the series price, and I just can't justify that hefty of a price tag with the way Montreal has been playing. You could argue they haven't seen anyone like Tampa, but I don't know. I mean, Vegas ran right through Colorado four straight games after getting down 2 nothing, And Vegas won the first game 4-1, and Montreal just was unfazed winning four of the next five to win the series in six. So... Again, there's a lot of things going in. And the other thing, too, that I like about Montreal is just the roster makeup. I think there's a nice blend where I mentioned Price. Shea Weber is a veteran back there on defense. Corey Perry, veteran forward that they've added into the fold. Brennan Gallagher has been through the ringer a little bit with them in the past. Tyler Toffoli, a veteran that had playoff experience with the... Vancouver Canucks more recently and then before that the Los Angeles Kings and then you also so so there's some veterans that have playoff experience that certainly are probably good locker room guys and then you also have a lot of young skill on this team a Nick Suzuki a Tyler to excuse me a Jesperi Kakaniemi and now we're seeing Cole Caulfield who won the Hobie Baker this year in college hockey with Wisconsin, really take off and blossom for Montreal. So there's some young talent. There's some veterans that have been there. It, you know, it, it definitely is a nice mix that they have. I don't think we need to spend a lot of time hashing through the Tampa Bay roster. As I said, power play has a lot of top-end skill. If you are into the revenge-type angle... Mikhail Sergachev, one of their defensemen, was drafted by the Montreal Canadiens, traded by Montreal to Tampa Bay. Uh, gosh, 2017, I think that trade happened. Yes, June of 2017, straight up for Jonathan Druin. Uh, excuse me, there was also a sixth-round pick attached. But nonetheless, Mikhail Sergachev going up against his former team in the Stanley Cup Final. It is also worth noting that it's not like this is the first time he will have played against them because under the traditional NHL format, which hopefully we get back to in the fall, Montreal and Tampa are in the same division, the Atlantic division. Uh, but obviously things are a little different this year, meaning we get to see these two teams in the Stanley Cup final, which we may never see again. Um, and, you know, so if you're into those kinds of things, I know there's props out there for goal at any time, first goal scorer, uh, things like that. Mikhail Sergachev 
maybe worth a flyer against his old buddies uh, in Montreal. One other point, by the way, on the Lightning. I mentioned all the top-end high skill that the Lightning have, particularly on the power play. Well, I think that the reason, part of the reason that they got pushed to seven games by the New York Islanders is the fact that out of the three teams Tampa has played in the postseason thus far, the Islanders are far and away the best team on defense. And so, in other words, the Islanders were far better equipped to handle the onslaught that you're going to get at times from Tampa up front. I mean, if you watched the Islanders throughout the playoffs, you'll know that their defense was really highlighted. And not just because they have a star necessarily back there, but the Scott Mayfields, Adam Pellex, Nick Letty's just clock a ton of minutes. And Ryan Pulak as well. And, and it all kind of is just their identity to lock you down from red line and back and play really good defense. And whether it was Ilya Sorokin or... Simeon Varlama played more games. The goaltending held its own as well. Point being, for Tampa, they played Florida in the first round. Sergei Bobrovsky got pulled in the middle of that series. So Florida didn't even use the same goalie for the whole series. Peter Morozik, the goaltender for Carolina, finished 20th in playoff save percentage. So not a lot of defensive resistance from Florida or Carolina against Tampa. And then you look at them playing a better defensive team. Pair of goaltenders, Sorokin and uh, Varlamov, excuse me, both Russians, finished outside the top five in save percentage. They were better than the goaltenders that Tampa saw in the first two rounds against Florida and Carolina. But they still weren't Carey Price. So now you're seeing a the best goalie that you've seen in the playoffs so far if you're Tampa. And if you look at the way that they won against the Islanders, they won a game 4-2. They won another game 2-1. They had an 8-0 shutout and a 1-0 shutout. So, with the exception of the 8-0 shutout, obviously not a ton of goals there in their victories. I mean, I think if you're Tampa and you score 4 most nights you're probably going to feel you should win the game because Tampa's goalie, let's haven't really talked about him, Andre Vasilevsky, has been playing very well himself. So if you get four goals for Vasilevsky, you should be able to win. Most nights. But obviously, I just mentioned Vegas, a team that was an offensive juggernaut the entire regular season, only scored two and a half per game in its six-game series defeat against Montreal. So, point being... Let's hone in specifically on the 2-1 victory for the Lightning in Game 3 against the Islanders and the 1-0 victory in Game 7. Are they going to be able to win those kinds of lower-scoring games now against the best goalie that they've seen in the playoffs? Maybe so, but I think we're more likely to get the 2-1s and the 1-0s than even a 4-2. And I'd be surprised if... Any team that wins any game in this series does so with more than four goals. Because I mentioned Vasilevsky playing well as well. And and so now you get 
I think what's going to become a battle of who the better goaltender is and which team plays better defense. Because at the end of the day, that's kind of what wins in the playoffs. And I mentioned Montreal definitely has some skill up front and some young talent. But they're obviously not here if, if it's not for how well Price is played. And, and, and Tampa really is the same thing. As much as we want to talk about all their forwards, and they got a lot of studs on D2. I mentioned Hedman and Sergachev and Ryan McDonough is another name I haven't mentioned. All their skaters are very good, obviously. They're the defending Stanley Cup champs. But Andre Vasilevsky, if it's not Braden Point, is probably going to win the Conn Smythe Trophy. So, when you consider that this is going to be, I think, a battle of low-scoring, goaltending duels, I think we get a lot of competitive games here. And I think we get a series that is going to go at least six games. As I said, I don't expect Montreal, now that they've gotten here, like, why would you think now that they're just going to fold? If anything, the time for them to fold, I think, would have been against Winnipeg. Because, think about the psyche. You know, mentally, you're just coming off maybe a little on your high horse, right? You come back from 3-1 down against your arch-rival Toronto. And... You know, now you're playing Winnipeg. At the time, there still weren't fans in... Or if there were, they were just beginning to let fans in in Canada. That would have been the time I would have thought that Montreal maybe would have had a little bit of a letdown. But it was just the opposite. They took off. And, and I think also, you're going to see the rest of the roster for Montreal rally around some of those veterans. You know, the Corey Perrys and the Shea Webbers and, of course, you know, the Carey Prices. So... Eric Stahl, another veteran for Montreal. So, I don't expect regular season Montreal to show up here. I'll just say that. And, and because of that, I, I think we're getting at least six games. Five-on-five five numbers for both these teams are pretty even. And so I mentioned it, that Tampa power play versus the Montreal penalty kill may well decide the series. But we saw Montreal keep Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner completely off the score sheet. They really, both of those guys were non-factors for Toronto. And I think that's probably a similar strategy that Montreal employs here. Willie Nylander actually played very well in that Toronto series versus Montreal. So I think Montreal goes into this and says, all right, well, let's take one or two of the high-end forwards for Tampa out and we'll have a chance even if uh, Braden Point continues to pop goals in seemingly every game. And I do think they're going to be in this thing right till the bitter end. So it brings me to how I am going to bet on this series. If you look at the, uh, the games, like you can bet just the total games in the series. Six is the most likely outcome, is you're going to have to pay some juice to go over five and a half at minus 143, but it is juice I'm going to pay. Uh, I'm, I'm t wagering on futures in this series a total of four units. I'm putting 
a little more than that, actually, with the juice on the over five and a half. Nonetheless, over five and a half games, I'm risking about a little less than a unit and a half to win one unit. Then I'm going to double down and go over six and a half games. I'm just going to play some prices here now. I got in my book over six and a half games at plus 250. So, as I said, betting in this series to go at least six games, putting a unit on both over five and a half and over six and a half. So if the series ends in six, that'll be a wash. And I also have to look at some of these Montreal prices. I don't want to just bet the series price because I do think this is five, six or seven games. Therefore, I went to the exact outcome market and I put half a unit on Montreal to win in six. I got seven and a quarter to one there plus 725. Then I put another half unit sprinkle on Montreal to win in seven. That was at seven and a half to one. So, it's a little over a unit on over five and a half games, minus 143. A unit on over six and a half games, plus 250. Half a unit on Montreal to win in six. Half a unit on Montreal to win in seven. Both of those at longer than seven to one price tags. So, the worst, he- obviously, that happens here is that the series ends in five games or less. Regardless of the winner, I'll obviously be pretty mad if Montreal happens to win in four or five, but I obviously don't see that happening. And, of course, it's gambling. There's a chance I'm totally wrong on this thing, and Tampa does run right through Montreal. That would be the worst outcome for me. Even if Tampa is to win in six, I would only be down one unit because I'd wash out on my game's props there and just use lose half a unit on Montreal on six, half a unit on Montreal on seven. So we're taking Montreal in a long series, but again, I think you're better off if you like Montreal looking to the exact series market where you're going to get some longer prices. I mean, like I said, you can get Montreal on six at over seven to one, Montreal on seven, seven and a half to one, and the series price is plus 245. So, there's better offerings on that exact series outcome. And then lastly, as far as the individual game markets are concerned, early on in the series, I'll probably just look to zigzag a bit. And what I mean by that is play the opposite of whoever wins the previous game. So, I'm going to take Montreal to win game one tonight. At about plus 170, they're offered at most shops. And if Montreal wins, then I'll probably come back and play Tampa either on the puck line or to win in regulation in Game 2. And if Tampa wins tonight, I'll just take Montreal again in Game 2 at a plus price, I would figure, again. And just continue to zigzag throughout the series like that and hopefully make up some money to where even if Tampa is to win the series and I don't get any of those... Montreal exact series props to come in for me, I still will have profited on the individual game markets. So again, futures plays for the series over five and a half games, over six and a half games, sprinkles on Montreal in six and Montreal in seven. Individual game markets, I'm going to probably zigzag throughout the series 
Montreal in game one tonight. Montreal wins. Then I'd look to play Tampa on the puck line in game two or Tampa to win in regulation. Obviously, just got to see how that juice plays itself out and continue to zigzag my way throughout this Stanley Cup final. I think it's going to be a pretty good series. Uh, again, I, I think Tampa maybe a little more burned out physically. Mentioned the Islanders defending so well. New York always kind of prides itself on playing that heavy brand. We saw the Islanders really suck the life out of the Penguins and the Bruins. And the best way to describe Tampa's victory against the Islanders was a survival. I mean, that went right down to the bitter end. Whereas Montreal, you look at some of the games they won very against Vegas, very convincing game two win in Vegas, very convincing game five win in Vegas, overtime win in game three, overtime loss in game four, overtime win in game six. So there were some close games in there, but I don't think Montreal had to expend the same amount of energy in beating Vegas that Tampa did in beating the Islanders. And I think maybe this will help a little more in Game 1. Montreal has an extra day of rest. Montreal series ended on Thursday against Vegas. Tampa finished up on Friday against the Islanders. That'll do it for me on a solo edition of Full Slate. Hope everybody enjoys the Stanley Cup Final. Good to get some hockey on the podcast. Shoot me a follow at UndercoverGreg on Gambling Twitter. And follow the podcast as well at full underscore slate underscore pod. Everyone enjoy the Stanley Cup final, as I said. And of course, please play responsibly.